Hello and welcome to another episode of the Thriving Metabolism, where we discuss everything that impacts your hormones and metabolism so that you can take control, repair the damage and lose weight consistently without making yourself miserable in the process. Most weight loss strategies and diets actually do harm to your metabolism, resulting in further weight gain down the road. And it can be a particular challenge for women over 40 due to hormonal and metabolic changes. So it's my mission to empower you so that you and your metabolism thrives and you never have to go through diet misery again. I'm Louise Digby, registered nutritional therapist, weight loss expert and founder of the Nourish Method to Lasting Fat Loss. Today, we are taking a look at HRT, or hormone replacement therapy. So this is something that becomes available to women when their own hormone production starts to decline around menopause and perimenopause, or if they've had a hysterectomy. So I wanna preface this episode by saying that I'm not a doctor, And you should always discuss decisions about your health and medications with your GP. Having said that, you should also do your own research so that you can make informed decisions. And hopefully this episode will give you some food for thought and help you to feel a bit more prepared for those conversations with your doctor. So I wanted to cover this topic, despite me not being a doctor, because many of my clients and followers ask me what I think about HRT. And common questions include, should I take it? Will it help me with weight loss? Will it cause weight gain? What's the safest way to take it? What type should I take? When should I start? When should I stop? So the thing that I'd like to say is that I am neither for or against HRT. I think that it is right for some people and it is not right for others. There are both benefits and risks and this is why it's important to make an informed decision. And there are ways to minimize the risks too. So I think a good place to start today is with the question, do we really need HRT? After all, menopause is a natural transition that all women go through. Do we really need to treat it like it's a disease? Well, there are many women who go through menopause and have a smooth transition with minimal symptoms who never really feel the need for HRT. And so it is possible to manage it naturally. And the women who have this smoother transition, it may be that they are blessed genetically and or it may be that they live and eat in a way that is very hormone supportive. Certainly, there are many lifestyle factors and dietary inadequacies that increase the likelihood of a bothersome menopause. An often used example is Japanese women who typically experience minimal menopausal symptoms and apparently didn't even have a word for hot flushes until relatively recently. There's been quite a bit of research investigating why Japanese women get off lightly, and it's believed that their diets, which are rich in phytoestrogens, are largely to thank. There's more to it than that, though, because 
you know, anyone can supplement phytoestrogens and many women do. And there are many women who do not experience the benefits that you might expect from taking phytoestrogens. We know that lifestyle factors like stress and sleep, activity levels, deficiencies, gut health, inflammation, and much more, they've all have the potential to worsen menopausal symptoms. And based on what I've seen in many clients, I certainly believe that you know, what you do to look after yourself before menopause helps to make a smoother transition. But if you're already in that transition, it's not too late to make a difference. Trouble is, for many women around the time of menopause, there's a lot happening in life. And, you know, you may still have children at home or be working full time, have elderly parents, bereavements and other stresses like divorce. And all of that is going to be driving up those stress hormones, which in turn drives down the sex hormones. But whatever age you're at, taking steps to do self-care, eat nourishing food, and slow down the pace of life is gonna help. And adding in HRT may be a good idea to help manage this tricky life stage. There are some serious possible benefits of taking HRT over and above minimizing symptoms, including reducing the risk of osteoporosis, heart disease and cognitive decline. Estrogen is extremely protective of bone, heart and brain health and keeping estrogen levels from dropping too low with HRT is something to seriously consider. There are also risks associated with taking HRT like blood clots and cancer but this is where you need to be your own advocate and not just accept what your GP prescribes you from the off, because this is where we need to start thinking about bio-identical hormones or body-identical hormones. So bio-identical or body-identical hormones are estradiol and progesterone that are molecularly identical to human hormones. So most, but not all, modern HRT is bio-identical. So today, bioidentical or BHRTs as they're often uh, seen written down, they're widely regarded as safer than non-bioidentical hormone therapy and they have fewer side effects too. Modern estrogen therapy is usually bioidentical and also transdermal, which means it's absorbed through the skin. And that allows it to directly enter the bloodstream and not form dangerous blood clotting factors in the liver. The safest type of estrogen is therefore an estradiol patch, a gel or a vaginal estrogen. It should be noted that for much of perimenopause, the estrogen level is often too high and then it drops closer to menopause when your periods stop. So you likely won't need estrogen until later in the transition. Now synthetic progesterone is called progestin and this has been linked to an increase in the risk of breast cancer and also mood side effects. Bioidentical progesterone does not cause mood side effects like the progestins do. 
nor does progesterone carry the same heart disease or breast cancer risk of progestins. In fact, according to a research study, progesterone may even help to reduce the risk of breast cancer. Bioidentical progesterone is available as oral capsules and brands like Prometrium are a common one, and also progesterone cream. All other brands of progesterone are often progestins, not progesterone. In general, oral progesterone is preferable to topical progesterone or progesterone cream because you need enough progesterone to enter your body and protect the uterine lining from the estrogen part of your hormone therapy. Progesterone cream has been tested for that purpose and found to not deliver enough progesterone to protect the uterine lining. So progesterone cream can actually be helpful for other purposes like easing mood symptoms or migraines. Though there's not yet enough scientific evidence to support this because it hasn't been studied in this way. So progesterone can be taken on its own for perimenopausal symptoms such as night sweats, heart palpitations, sleep issues, migraines, mood problems, heavy periods. And these symptoms are caused by a loss of progesterone, not loss of estrogen. And even if you've had a hysterectomy and therefore have no uterine lining to protect, progesterone is still beneficial for mood and breast health. If you're taking estrogen, it's safest when combined with bioidentical progesterone because they balance each other out. Again, even if you don't have a uterus. Taking just progesterone has a few advantages over estrogen because it's better for sleep and migraines and it's safer for breasts and it's easier to stop. It's not addictive like estrogen is. And progesterone can also make periods lighter and it's a good alternative to progestin drugs. So to recap, if you're currently taking or going to take HRT, make sure you are either taking only bioidentical progesterone on its own or topical estrogen with bioidentical progesterone. It's generally safest not to take estrogen on its own. Now, just a note on cancer. Menopause specialist Dr. Louise Newsom says the following. Let me just get the quote up in front of me. She said, women with a history of cancer can still take HRT safely. In most cases, many cancers are not hormone dependent, including cancers of the cervix, vagina, vulva, malignant melanoma and bowel. Most types of endometrial and ovarian cancer are also not hormone dependent. Women with a family history of cancer, including breast cancer, can still take HRT. There is no good evidence regarding giving HRT to women with a history of estrogen receptive positive cancer. Some women with a history of these cancers choose to take HRT for the health benefits and improvements to their quality of life. Women with estrogen receptor negative cancers can usually take HRT. So I wanted to include that because there are a lot of concerns around HRT and cancer. And essentially what Dr. Louise Newsom is saying there is that in many cases, 
HRT is appropriate and may even be something that works well for some individuals, even if they have had a hormone positive cancer. Again, something to discuss with your consultant um, and your GP, but also it could be worth talking to someone who specializes in menopause and hormone replacement therapy. If you're really struggling with the symptoms of menopause, but you've been told that you can't take HRT. Now comes the question about weight gain. What the research says is that natural progesterone given with estrogen either causes no change in weight or it causes weight loss. So no suggestion of weight gain. Estrogen should help to resensitize your body to insulin, which should help with weight loss. I've certainly worked with lots of women who have started HRT and found it helps with weight. And I've also worked with many women who have started HRT and experienced weight gain. It's a very complicated picture to untangle though, because there are, of course, lots of factors that could be at play. And also some hormone contraceptives can cause rebound weight gain when you come off of them. And many women make the switch straight from hormonal contraceptives to HRT. So it can be difficult to know what's causing the weight gain. From what the research says, and also from what we know about how these hormones should behave in the body, HRT doesn't cause weight gain. But research isn't perfect and doesn't assess every possibility, so it's certainly possible that some women experience weight gain. And I can certainly see how someone on the wrong dose, or with too much estrogen especially, could be prone to weight gain. By the way, just in case you're confused, the progesterone in contraceptives is different to the progesterone in HRT, which is why they have different effects on weight. Now, these days, the general consensus is that HRT can continue to be taken for as long as the benefits outweigh the risks, which could be forever. Even older women, well past menopause, can gain benefits from starting HRT. Okay, to finish off this first part of the podcast, let's talk about testosterone. We think about it as a male hormone, but women have it too, and you know we need it. Too much is a problem, which is why it can be so difficult to get a prescription for it, but lack of testosterone can really impact your libido and overall well-being. Currently, there are no licensed testosterone medications for women in the UK. Your doctor can still prescribe it, but it may be a bit of a battle. Before starting testosterone, you must get your estrogen levels optimized. Too much testosterone in relation to estrogen will cause all sorts of problems, including weight gain. Oh, and one more thing to add. Blood tests for hormones should only be a guide, particularly when it comes to testosterone. The levels of hormones in the blood are not always an accurate representation of tissue levels, which are the levels that matter. And that's why we use more advanced dried urine tests for hormones as and when we need to test for them in the nourish method. Okay, now it's time for my favorite fact from the past week, which is this. A hormone in your brain wakes you up more than a hundred times per night, and that's a perfectly normal sleep pattern. 
Yes, this is the finding that the neurotransmitter noradrenaline causes the brain to briefly wake up more than 100 times per night. You're not actually waking up when this happens, so you won't remember it, but the brain wakes up or behaves as if you are awake. And this is fascinating information, I think, because we tend to assume that a really good night's sleep is characterized by us being out cold all night. But actually, this pattern of routine waking is essential for learning and memory. And these short awakenings essentially reset the brain making you ready to dive back into deep sleep. So this might explain why some people can sleep solidly for nine hours, if not more, and still feel like they've not had restful sleep. It may be that they're not having enough of these very, very brief awakenings to help reset their brain for that, for that regeneration that needs to happen. So this also gives us useful insight into the impact of antidepressants on memory and cognition because antidepressants increase the level of noradrenaline in the brain. And this may reduce the amount of these micro awakenings, which could negatively impact memory. So overall, this may show that we shouldn't worry too much when we wake in the night. Of course, we don't want prolonged periods of disturbed sleep, but waking to roll over or have a sip of water, like I do 10 times a night, is seemingly perfectly normal, which I certainly find reassuring. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you'd like to talk to me about anything that I've discussed in this episode, you can reach me on Facebook or Instagram by searching at Louise Digby Nutrition. Or you can email me with your question to be answered on the podcast by emailing louise at louisedigbynutrition.com and put podcast in the subject. If you're enjoying this podcast, please head to wherever you get your podcasts and leave a review and make sure you click follow or subscribe. And I'll look forward to seeing you next time.